Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here's your host, Kyle Corwin. What up, what up? Welcome back to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode six. I'm your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, say hello to the people. Hey, people. DTD family. I love the uh, I love the energy. I know we've talked about that before, but we've talked about this the last few days. The month of August is just trash for baseball. Uh, it's it's almost just like everyone's just so ready for September. You know, like I'm not a huge fan of it, but you know, rosters expand, and we're just, that's like the official initiation into playoff baseball, and then just games get intense, man. Right now, we're not quite there yet, but I'm hungry for it. It's just, yeah, it's it's an awkward month of baseball is the best way to put it because you're past the trade deadline. You're like you said, you're not quite to September slash October baseball. And the other thing too that you got to keep in mind is it's tough for the sport across the board because you're competing with football coming back, right? And like you like you alluded to, it's kind of just dragging along, and it's everybody's just waiting for the postseason picture to kind of take shape and get get underway yeah but i mean like you said earlier like when it comes down to it you and i are talking baseball and we got a bunch of people listening and it's cool man it's it's fun to do no matter what time of year right i love it i love it uh it is like i said it's dragging along a little bit but i i came across some news that kind of spiked my interest a little bit today i don't know if you heard anything about it uh, the Mets announced today that, well, t- Tuesday, I guess, uh, that Peter Alonzo, one of their minor leaguers, would not be included in their September call-ups. And if you don't know who Peter Alonzo is, he is a first baseman, uh, like I said, in their minor league system. Uh, spent some time at Double uh, A earlier this year and has since been uh, playing in Triple A. I think it's about split half and half so far. Uh, but get this, he's batting 277 with 33 home runs and 111 RBIs in the minors this year. What? And, and he's not being included in the September call-ups. They've already, they've already decided that. What position does he play? He's first baseman. So I did some research and I found out that they got, they got some depth at that position. Um, and they're all, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, I'm, I'm just as confused as you are, but the thing that gets me with this whole deal is they're still trying to finagle David Wright into the mix. Yeah, and I'm like, I mix that in. I mix that in a little bit later. It's just such a Mets move. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've got this guy. You're going to keep him at AAA, but for probably the first half of the season, you were talking about possibly bringing up Tim Tebow. So <laughs> I think the organization needs to take a step back and kind of reevaluate where they're at. Typical Mets, man. Typical Mets. It's just brutal. All right, moving on to this day in baseball history. Uh, August 29th. You're currently hearing this on a Wednesday. It is August 29th. Uh, 1948, Jackie Robinson completes the backward cycle. Homer's in the first. Robinson gets the first hit off Ford. It's a homer into the left field stand. Triples in the fourth, doubles in the sixth, and singles in the eighth. Uh, on the day, tallies 10 total bases, uh, notches two RBIs, scores three times, and steals a base. Uh, I've heard some talk. I know, again, being a Sox guy, I uh, saw Mookie do it in Toronto not too long ago, and they were kind of talk. The talk surrounding it was has the has the magic surrounding the cycle kind of faded away? Like, do you? How do you feel about it? Do you get excited when when you see a triple or a cycle rather uh, the way get, you might used to? I get pumped. I mean, I think it's here's the difficult thing about you know Jackie's one. It, the fact that it went in reverse, getting the you know the home run and the triple, um, the first two abs like that to me is those two are the most exciting part of the cycle. You know, we see today like any guys that do it typically start with a single or a double. And I don't know, like if you're one of those fans that's lucky enough to be there that day, um, witnessing one, I think 
if it's later in the game, or especially if it's a close game, and you're rooting for this guy to shoot a gap and try to see if he can stretch it to third, or if he can just take a giant daddy hack and try to hit a bomb to cap off the cycle, I think that's really exciting. I mean, it's it's in game and it's it's kind of extra sauce thrown onto the game, you know. Yeah, that's probably my favorite part is when the guy like hits a bloop single to shallow left, and he's just he knows he's going to get tossed, but he's like at this point, why not try to leg it out? Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, I love it, man. It's but it's definitely getting harder to do. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next point, this day in baseball history, two thousand seven. My guy Tito Terry Francona did was completely unaware that this had happened. I was kind of surprised when I was doing my research and came across this. He apparently had a little run-in with the fashion police uh, back in 2007. Uh, I guess they were playing the Yankees. Bobby Abreu was at bat. Derek Jeter was on second. And I don't even... I guess it was an MLB representative, official of some sort, came over and told him that he needed to go down to the tunnel or down to the dugout tunnel and kind of fix his attire because if you remember watching Francona manage it all, I think he still does it. He doesn't wear his uniform under his pullover. He always goes with the, um, like the, the pitchers pullover, kind of like the fleece of some sort. And he's never, he's never been known to wear his uniform. And I guess at that point, I don't know if that rule still kind of exists, because I've seen guys wear all sorts of stuff in the dugout, but at that at that point in baseball, 2007, that like wasn't a thing, and so they had to had to make him change. And apparently, he came out and got pissed after the fact <laughs> and said that the timing was just terrible. And it turns out that the umpire, or not the not the umpire, the official rather, uh, had come out and admitted that yes, the timing was not great, and I would probably have to agree with that. Um, but funny enough, the incident soon thereafter became known as Shirtgate. And I immediately <laughs> just thought of how many gates there have been in New England sports. <laughs> Deflate Gate, Apple Watch Gate. I know that's not really helping the identity of my uh my Boston fanhood, but I just thought that was worth pointing out. That's so lame. Like I mean I'm not a huge fan of the Bill Belichick look, you know, cut off sleeves on the hoodie or whatever, but like, I don't care about wearing a pullover or, you know, a bullpen jacket, but like, uh, it's getting to the point now where it kind of looks weird if you see a manager wearing a jersey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Jim Leland, I think he wore his uniform, right? With the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only one that comes to mind immediately. Especially if, um, you know, you run into a manager who's not exactly in shape and you're seeing right. you're seeing the belly of Lou Pinella while the jersey's tucked in. Right. It's not attractive. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it is if you want to wear a fleet, a pitcher's fleece in August when it's like 95 degrees out at 7 o'clock at night, be my yeah. guest. Like, if, if that's what you want to do, be my guest. Uh, moving on, 2008, with the win over the Orioles, the Tampa Bay – or was it – were they the Tampa Bay Rays 2008, or were they still Devil Rays? Mm. No, they were the Rays, because they had the new uniform, so it was the Rays. Anyway, the Rays lock up their first winning season in their 11-year-old history, uh, which eventually they would go on to play the Phillies in the World Series. But my question with this whole thing is, how does that happen? How do you, how is, how do you get lucky enough? Well, I, I don't know if lucky is the right word, because you went 11 years without a winning season. But you finally get to a winning season, and your first year doing so, you go to the World Series. I just don't like. Did the pieces come together that that quickly? I, I don't understand how that works. Yeah, because like technically, a winning season only has to be one game over five hundred, and that's a winning season. Yeah, that's true. So, but obviously, they did better than that. I mean, right? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You only have to win one game over five hundred ball to be to consider having a world uh, a winning season and not only did they do that they win i don't even know how many they won 80 something 80 90 games whatever it was uh, that that just blows my mind i don't i mean it didn't really pay off because phillies made light work of them i think they won that was, uh, four games to one that was probably the last time they had a decent crowd and drop 
And that was probably the last time we've had the worst World Series ever. I don't even think <laughs> I don't even think any baseball uh, fan was interested in that World Series. Yeah, because before that, what was it? The White Sox Astros one, right? That one was pretty brutal. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. Was that 05 something? Yeah, 05 was Chicago and Houston. Yeah, rough. Yeah, that was Bagwell and BGO and all them. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that about wraps up baseball history. Uh, moving on to uh, what's going on in Major League Baseball. Let's uh, let's start with Kendris Morales. I know it's been a couple days uh, since he he wrapped up his historic streak, but definitely noteworthy. Um, but for those who, for those of you who don't know, which I don't know at this point how you haven't heard, uh, Morales hit a home run in seven straight games. Fly ball, deep right field. Seven games in a row with a home run for Kendrys Morales. Setting a franchise record, falling just one game short of the major league of tying the major league record which has been done three times. And I don't know, Nate, if you've done your history, but do you by chance know the three people who have done it? Absolutely. We got the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Donnie Baseball Mattingly in uh, 87, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I had to look this name up, Dale Long in 1956. Yep, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a list. And if you go back and look at who he tied with his streak that he just pulled off, it's seven games, granted not eight games, so not achieving the major league record, but seven games, none, still impressive nonetheless. He's in uh, he's in pretty good company. I'd have to go back and pull up the list, but I know like Barry Bonds was in there. Um, you might have the the full list, I don't know, but I know, I know a couple, uh, I think a couple of juicers were in there, but... <laughs> Still, oh, yeah, still, still impressive. Got to mix those guys in. But the thing, so okay, so here's the thing that gets me about this whole this whole uh, home run streak is he now has 21 home runs on the season. So in a seven game span, he notches <laughs> a third of his current home run total. That's uh, that's really stepping up your power game, I would say. Yeah, well, have a day. I mean, he the. During this seven-game stretch, he was thirteen for twenty-seven. That's hitting four eighty-one. I'd say that's I'd say that's pretty good. Tearing it up, but he had eight bombs in seven games. He had a game a couple games ago that he had two home runs in. Right, right. Like ah, if I could have just saved one of those home runs and moved <laughs> it on another day, if only, and, and get my eight straight. But the rough thing is that eight home runs and only thirteen RBIs. Yeah. Come on, Blue Jays. Let's get on base. I mean, at that point, I don't think he really cares. I mean, it'd be nice. It to, it'd be nice to rack up the RBIs a little bit, but you and I both I know think, if you're swinging the bat well, you don't really care. You're just happy to be hitting the ball because you know probably in a week or two you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be in the dumps. Oh, he's gonna slide. So for any of our listeners that that don't know, um, Kendris Morales has been around a little bit. Um, he yeah, had a, a really he's a journeyman, isn't he? He's a little bit a little bit. A little bit. He's been on a couple teams. Um the the tough part of his story was um back in 2010, he hit a walk-off grand slam for the Angels. And as they're you know, everyone all the whole teammates are crowding around home plate waiting for him to come and celebrate. And he takes a big jump and leap to land on the plate and he breaks his ankle. Yes, I remember that. And he missed the rest of that year and then the following year. Um, and he, I think he was tearing it up that year and the year before that. So, like, that was right in his prime years. You know, he's 35 now. And so, obviously, eight years ago, you know, you're you're doing it pretty well in your mid to, to late 20s. And he was doing it pretty well. And it's kind of sad to see that, you know, that injury in the middle of your prime and for it to knock you out for so long. Um but like when you look at him now, he's kind of this, to me, like beer league softball body that just tries to hit tanks. And yeah. He doesn't wear batting gloves. He just like tapes his fingers and probably swings like a 45-ounce bat and just tries to hit the ball deep. Exactly. And like obviously a, he's a great hitter. But all jokes aside, I think he's – I think he is one of the last players that we'll see – not – 
not saying he is the last player. He's one of the last players I think that we'll see of kind of that just unathletic body type because with the just the the training that guys coming up through high school and college and even the minors go through nowadays with just like completely tearing their bodies down and building them back up to be these just I don't even know like Greek god structures it's <laughs> it's it's getting ridiculous like I don't think we'll see a guy like Bartolo I mean obviously Bartolo Colon's a one in a million one of a kind kind of deal right but kind of that body type I don't think you're going to see that anymore especially with just the competitive nature of baseball I mean obviously it's always been competitive but I just don't think there's going to be any room for guys like that to kind of slide through the cracks. I mean, unless they're just incredibly good hitters or pitchers for that matter, I just don't think you're going to, I think you're going to start seeing more guys kind of like with the five tool set, like a trout or a Harper uh, kind of coming up. Yeah, I think, well, I think to go along with that, I think you're going to see teams, um, not really using that DH role for that type of player. Um, you know, Big Poppy was probably the you know the best DH guy we've seen so far, and he wasn't the most shapely guy. Right. Um, and so I think now I think you know you're going to start seeing, especially with you know analytics being mixed in so much. I think you're going to see DH as more of a more of a our fourth outfielder needs a day off or our yeah, first baseman yeah, needs exactly. a day off. Um, and he, and he, we just need a stick in the lineup versus that guy who's just going to be a DH all the time. Yeah, and I that's th- kind of what we see Kendris Morales being in, in Toronto. Yeah, and I think kind of going off that, I think J.D. Martinez in Boston, obviously that's who I watch. So I think that's that's probably a good example right there because he can, if you need him to, he can play, he can play the outfield. And right. I mean, he's not going to be making like – Adam Jones, Mookie Betts type plays. Right. But he's gonna he's gonna stick his glove out there, make the plays, but he's gonna be that guy who fits that DH role much better than say Morales because he can play the field if you yeah. need him to. Same with like Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, he's probably not the most graceful outfielder. I mean he has a decent arm, but for the most part you're gonna choose a better outfielder and just let him go DH. But that guy is freaking yoked. Yeah. So it's uh, like you said. It goes along the lines of we're not going to see the 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 tummy so much anymore. I think yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, well, we've already talked about all three of these teams. We've we've mentioned them at least once already. But let's talk about. It's it's been a while since we addressed the AL East. Let's talk about the Red Sox, Yankees, and Rays, and kind of this this melting pot up at the top of kind of. I mean, obviously, you got the Red Sox, Yankees duking it out up top, but the Rays. I mean, we were just talking about it. They're actually not that bad this year. They're really not. Um, for those of you who don't know, they have a seventy and sixty-one record. Uh, that's the same as the Philadelphia Phillies. So everybody that's all high and mighty on the Phillies, like the Rays, are doing it, and. Um, you know, in the division, they're playing pretty well. They're thirty-one and twenty-eight in the division. Um, you know, you always know your your teams in your division a little bit better. You always play them a little bit harder, so you're seeing a little more closer games. And then, you know, obviously with the recent sweep of the Red Sox, like you're seeing um, uh, pretty decent we ball. We don't speak of that here. Sorry. Oh yeah, we're Con- speaking of it. Continue on. We're thoroughly speaking of it. Um, in my opinion, uh, I think Kevin Cash might be getting some votes for manager of the year. Um, that's, that's a good thought. Because here's here's what's different. I know we've been bashing the Rays almost always. Um, it's more about their stadium slash whatever that is. Their, um, their quote-unquote fan base. Right. Or lack yeah. thereof. Right. I'm talking about the team. The on-field players, product. Players. On-field product. Here's what you guys need to know. So they started with this opener thing on May 19th with Sergio Romo, okay, back in May, where they're bringing in a closer or a reliever. They're starting the game. They're the opener for the game. They're typically going to go an inning or two, kind of get through the lineup the first time, and then their normal rotation guy steps in in the second or third inning and goes 
you know, however long he wants to go. It's kind of the advantage of, you know, getting through the, the first part of the day. These guys are fresh out of BP, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, maybe they're, they're feeling hot out of, out of that. And I don't know, but since then they have MLB best 287 ERA. Before that, they had a 4.45 ERA, which was the worst in the bigs. So, I'd say the change helped a little bit. I think we're got to see the correlation there. Like, I think the opener kind of may be something we're going to see in the future with teams, especially the lower market teams that, um, or maybe a team that loses a rotation guy close to the start of the season or anywhere in the season, you know, who knows? This could be pretty revolutionary. I mean, you say small market teams. I would argue that the Cubs might be the next team you see experiment with that a little bit because if anybody, I mean. That's a mad move. Ironically enough, yeah, exactly. Coming from the Rays, if anybody were to kind of dab into that experiment a little bit, I think it would be, I think it'd be Madden. And which at the same time would be difficult because with the starting staff you have in Chicago at, at full strength, full health, I mean, right. that's, that's a solid, that's a solid slate. And I would hate to see them kind of waste that, especially with these guys kind of in their prime, I guess you could say, but yeah, I think if I there mean, would be a bigger market team to do it, it'd be the Cubs. Yeah. I, but it, it's, I think it might be working. You know, they, they've been hot. Uh, they just, I think today, their eight-game winning streak just got snapped. So they were doing stuff the right way, I think. And like I said, I think that uh, Kevin Cash dude is going to be getting some votes for yeah. manager of the year. Yeah, um, I would but, say that. I mean, what, what's going on with your socks, dude? I don't know. I was actually just thinking about Cora as the uh, manager of the year. But the problem with that is kind of like we've been alluding to, Cora has a much better lineup to work with obviously than cash does so you obviously have to take that into consideration but i think kind of the thing with cora being a first year manager having to deal with i mean not that this necessarily gets taken into account but managing in boston is a completely different beast than managing in a in a market like tampa or wherever they're at i don't even they're not in tampa i don't know why i keep saying that (laughs) uh but yeah having having to kind of juggle that routine up there is brutal i mean there that fan base is cutthroat i mean they'll follow you to the end but if you if you show any sign of slipping up or kind of lackadaisical managing they will they'll call you on it and the fact that he's done that successfully to this point in his first year i think that's i think that's something to kind of make note of but yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm sure you're going to agree. Um, look, any of us that enjoy baseball enjoy Yankee Sox being competitive. Oh, yeah, um, at the highest level, and, of course. Yeah, for sure. And so, like, obviously, we all want this race to get closer, and we want it to be mean something in September and then eventually mean something in the playoffs. Um, I don't think everyone needs to be freaking out that the fact that both sides. No one needs to overreact the fact that the Yankees have won 8 out of 10. And no one needs to overreact the fact that the Sox have lost 7 out of 10. I think Red Sox finally coming back down to earth just for a second. You know? Like, yeah, you can't ride, you can't ride that. Yeah, you can't ride that forever. I don't know how long it's going to last. As a Yankees fan, I hope it's going to last a while. Um, and the Yankees fans, I mean... Uh, it, to me, this eight out of ten wins doesn't feel that great. I know we had a walk off tonight, but like, it's not a pretty eight out of ten. It's not destroying teams. It's not pitching that great. It, it's still two nights ago when we lost to uh, the first game of the series to the White Sox on some questionable errors. Like, uh, you know, we got guys in the in the lineup that are not there and, and hurt and. It's you know Greg Bird is a mystery at first base. So yeah, talking about errors, what was that? Where uh, playing first and the ball was thrown to him, and it was like he was trying to catch a stick of butter. What was that? Has has he played baseball before? Painful. It's so bad. Like 
And here's, I, I was just talking about this with uh, some, some of my friends earlier today. I am one of Greg Bird's biggest fans. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's from Colorado. Um, he's my age. We both graduated in 2011. We grew up um, in high school playing against each other. Um, he was he went to high school right down the road, and we played each other a bunch in high school. He was a stud. Um, you know, we worked out at the same indoor facility. So, like, he was really good. And um, dude had a full ride to Arkansas, and he got drafted by the Yankees and obviously went the Yankees route. I am going to root for this guy as long as he's wearing pinstripes. But this is freaking awful. This is so bad. Hitting under 200, um, he's not – going about it the right way. I think I think there's a fine line when you're in the clubhouse and, and you're down and you're slumping. You know, we saw Giancarlo at the beginning of the year really slumping, but he said, dude, I got to pick it up. I got to be better. That's all I know. And then we see Bird last week in an interview saying, Greg, I'm happy just happy to be here, Bird. Just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be wearing a, a jersey. And it's like, dude, show some fire. Cuss into your glove. Throw a helmet. Show me something that means that you actually want to succeed at this level, not just be at this level. It's so freaking annoying. It's driving me nuts. He shouldn't be playing first base right now. Because not to mention, another dude who's been tearing it up is Luke Voigt, who just had three bombs against the Orioles in that series, two in one game. He's swinging it well. Let him play first. Yeah, I saw uh, Yankees Twitter giving a little, showing a little love to Big Al and I think it was today or yesterday. They're saying I'm Luke Void and I hit dingers. Thought that was a classy move on their part. Yeah, that guy's a tank. I don't know if you guys have seen what he looks like, but he's like he, the dude is a solid unit. Um, but you know, it's just the Yankees. I think they're skimming along. I think we, if if for me to be impressed, I think it needs to be another eight out of ten. I think it needs to be sixteen out of twenty. And I think the division needs to get within four games for me to be like, okay, now we're back to normal. Because Judge still hasn't swung a bat. Uh, the wrist is still still a little weird with him. Uh, Gary Sanchez just did a rehab start, so I think he's well, coming back up. soon. What's on the What's the news on Judge? Because I th- I thought I saw a tweet today that said there's a possibility he might not come back at all because they don't want to rush him back. I did see that today. Um, but that I also saw, saw a quote from him today saying that um, apparently the doctors are saying it's not going to damage it anymore if you try to swing it. So basically it's going to come down to if it's bearable pain or not. Um, and that was from, we, that was from him, he, you said? That was, that was from him. Uh, so I think that's probably a green light to grab a bat and start testing it. Not saying he's going to come back this year. I mean, I really hope so. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like it's quite an issue. I mean, a wrist is, you know, pretty intricate piece in, in hitting. Um, but I don't know. I hope he's coming back, man. It's yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the strikeouts. I'm a, I'm a big, really big fan of that. I'm really um, looking forward to the dents and, and the uh Fenway monster. I mean, anyway, you can so take Gary the dents. Sanchez. You can take the dents. We hit him onto the freaking street. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gary Sanchez just did a rehab start. Chapman's out for a couple weeks. So it's just like uh the Yankees aren't the Yankees right now. But I guess keep trying to find a way to win for now. Yeah, and uh as we alluded to, Sox coming off just a mm, just a brutal Brutal weekend in the the dump of Major League Baseball parks, the toilet bowl, as I saw it referenced on Twitter. I like that. Um, I I'm a fan. Uh, but rebounding with a colossal win against the red hot <laughs> Miami Marlins tonight. Uh, really grinding it out. Uh, walk off victory. Uh, with Eduardo Nunez. Uh, just a hard 90, all you can ask from the guy, and just luck was on our side tonight. There was a little, little misplay at first base. I don't know if I'd call it an error. I just think, you know, maybe, oh, the, an error. maybe the light might have gotten his eyes. I, nope. I, I, we're not going to rush to judgment, um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a big win, Um, kind of 
the bullpen. Even your celebration, even your celebration was super lackluster. The, like whoever was on second and rounded third, he crossed on. Well, yeah, like, okay. So here's the thing. I, I like thought, a little hug. I thought the same thing. Like as a guy coming out of the dugout, who do you go to? Do you go to Eduardo who <laughs> hit the little dribbler? Or do you run to get the guy who just scored, who technically didn't have any impact on the play? Other than the fact that he scored, like it's just an awkward I situation. To, I go to Eduardo. Do you I go? go to do you go hug your manager just because you don't yeah. know what to do with your hands? Find let's a fan. Find a fan. Bring him onto the field. Yeah, I don't think it's like a let's dump the water cooler on the guy situation. Oh, they even, dumped it on him twice. Yeah, it's it was, ridiculous. It was, it was party in Beantown tonight. I was that's so I was all dumb. for it. Um, but like like you said, the hard ninety because like as a shortstop. If you're taking it at yourself to turn it over play and you're and you're you kind of touch second, you take a peek up and you see this runner chugging and just getting down the line, that's when you kind of rush a little bit, may not have the best grip, and just try to just let it loose. And more often than not, when you look like that, it's gonna be it's gonna be a loose throw. Yeah. Uh whoever Miami's first baseman is, I don't even know they're probably playing little leaguers at this point. I don't know who's on the roster. Uh, but their first baseman probably watched. Uh, is Don Mattingly playing first as well as managing? He's probably better than whoever they had there before. <laughs> well, minus Jason Bohr. Whoever they try to squeeze in there after Bohr, I don't know what the deal is. But uh, anyway, he whoever was playing first night was probably watching Greg Bird highlights um, from a game there that I'm sure you remember from a couple weeks ago. I'm sure he was watching that before the game, kind of get himself amped up playing first base in Fenway. Big wow. big experience for the kid. Um but yeah, like I said, huge win. Uh Miami just on an absolute tear right now. They they've been they've been playing well all season. Nobody's been giving them any love. I mean they're <laughs> they're approaching probably fifty wins on the year. Somewhere around there. It's it's just good news for for the boys in being town to get a <laughs> to get a big win like that. Uh, really though, what is going on? Because like, is it pitching? Is that what you've seen so far? Because there's a lot of runs being let up. It's the bullpen and the fact that Mookie Betts and JD Martinez can't hit three home runs every game. So the rest of the lineup is kind of eh. It's. It's a combination of everything. I, I would say probably more so on the on the bullpen because for a, for a while there, there was a time where the offense was bailing out the bullpen. That's kind of, yeah. I don't want to say it's been a theme throughout the season, but more times than not, it's been the offense bailing out the bullpen. But like I said, you can't, you can't maintain that consistency. You can't, you can't ask a lineup or a guy, a single guy for that matter to carry that, that load the whole season. Cause it is, you're not capable of doing that, and I right. think I think the effects of that are are kind of showing themselves in the form of uh, a shaky bullpen with no real run support. And I think, All right. so, I think it's being so. Explained. Let me ask you this: knowing, and we've talked about this before, knowing kind of the way the playoffs has been managed for these successful teams, bullpens are important. Are you kind of sweating it a little bit when uh, when it comes to playoff time? Truthfully, I'm not because I'm hoping what they do. Obviously, I'm no manager, so I have no real reason for saying this would work over another option. But I would like to think that they would maybe bump one or two of the guys that we've kind of been cycling through the rotation because we've got, I mean, we're cycling through like eight starters right now. I mean, right. give or take. So you're going to see Evaldi in the, line, in the, in the bullpen. Come playoff time, right? uh, unless he can show in the last month, kind of what he did the first two starts because he he had given up zero runs through his first two starts for the for the Sox, and mm-hmm. people were thinking he was going to be like a front end of the rotation type guy. I mean, you're not going to beat out Sale, obviously, but they were thinking he might be up there. And then since then, he has just he's struggled significantly. So I think he he would be one of the guys. Um, like I said, unless he unless he can kind of turn it around and really show himself out this last 
this last month. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Price because I think there in the middle where he was getting rocked uh, across, like up and down the lineup, I think people were expecting him to be in the pen like he was last season where where, yeah. where he pitched great, uh, I might add. But the way he's been pitching, the la- his last few starts have been lights out. Um, granted, the guy's so streaky. He's such it's, a coin flip. It, it's, it's crazy, and it really just comes down to what time of the season it is and where you're going to catch him on that streak. Um, and I think I think they've seen that enough to know that that's that's probably the way to approach it. You kind of just have to gauge it based off where he's at in in his streak streakiness, yeah. I guess you could say. But, yeah, I mean, because when you think about it, like October is colder, you know, and so like both of us know as a hitter, like it's not fun to hit in the cold, right? And you know, it does come down to pitching, and so late in the night, you know, you got colder hitters, you got a bullpen that you got to trust, you know, I. I can see where it's kind of nerve-wracking a little bit. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk too much about the Yankees and Sox because I'm sure there's a number of people out there that aren't Yankees and Sox fans, and they just roll their eyes whenever we get on this topic. So let's move on to some other relatively significant news. Uh, The recent release of the 2019 Major League Baseball schedule. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? What are the what are what are some big highlights? Um, so I guess we can kind of go in order of what we're going to see throughout the year. Um, first one, we've got another international opening day. Uh, Mariners and A's uh, will open up on March twentieth in Japan. Um, no idea what time it's going to be, U.S. time much less you know eastern or mountain or whatever um which i I don't know how do you feel about it because it's i was gonna say before you go any further i'm gonna i'm gonna share my thoughts here on international baseball my thoughts are rather my opinion is i am 100 percent on board with getting major league baseball out and about getting them overseas, getting them in Mexico, Japan, whatever. The fact the 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 reason I feel that way is because I think the game deserves to be promoted. Not only deserves to be promoted, I think it needs to be promoted in kind of the the regions of the world where it's prominent. The pro, the the exception to that rule and I'm sure we'll touch on it later with Red Sox and Yankees is taking it to countries or even continents rather where it's just not nearly as, as big. And it's to me, it just seems like a money grab. Um, Right. Like we saw Australia last year. Yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, Japan and another, I I, I'm sure another topic we'll touch on here shortly is Mexico. I'm, I'm all for countries like that, Japan, Mexico, because that's like baseball. And I, I wish they'd get down to the, to the islands more like down in the Dominican and kind of down in the, I wish they would find a way to kind of like really right. bolster that international relationship. Um, but for now I'm fine with it being uh, done in Japan and Mexico, because if you've ever watched a Japanese baseball game, not in its entirety, obviously, cause that would just be extremely difficult to watch in terms of commentary, not having a clue what they're talking about. If you've seen any clips from games like that, you understand the passion that those fans have. I mean, they show out day oh, yeah, after stacked. day, night after yeah. night. I mean, that, that's fun. It's fun to see that kind of energy, and I'm sure Mexico is the same, if not better. Um, but that's kind of my take on the whole international uh, series to start the year. Here's where I'm at. I agree with you. I love. Um, anytime any sport is taken outside of this country to expand um, viewers and fans and everything, you know, we see the NFL going to England, um, you know, the past couple of years. Uh, here's my issue. Don't do it opening day. Yeah. Like don't, don't rob me of my Christmas day. My Christmas morning is opening day. Right. Knowing right. that we have baseball again and you're starting it a week early in Japan where I probably can't watch it because it's going to be in the middle of the night. What are we doing? Like, I, I, why opening day? Yeah, um, the fact that we have to have 
a traditional American opening day, I don't. It's got to be a part. Like, that's that's a problem to me. Like, yeah. no, there should be opening day. Is opening day is opening day. Like, I don't need this it's hours. I don't. It's... Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't need this. Like, this like difference between international opening day and American opening. No, I just want opening day to be consistent, and I don't want it started in March. I don't. I hate that. I hate that opening day is in March. I don't. I get it. They have to do it because of additional off days being added to the schedule, and I get that because 162 games. That's that's tough on the body over the course of a season. I get it, but I just wish they could figure out a way to add days in elsewhere. Like just well, you're screwing up your off days anyway. If there's snow on the field still. Yeah, well, let's not mention let's not forget to mention the fact that Red Sox opening up a 10-game road trip out west because there's probably going to be 12 feet of snow in Boston. Yeah. Like that's how you're going to that's how you're going to reward the reigning World Series champs. You're going to send them out west. Oh, okay. You're going to send right. no, you're going to send them out west to play the Mariners A's. Okay. Oh. I, obviously, I'm sure you can tell I feel very strongly about this. But Hindsight, I'm okay with them playing the Mariners and A's because regardless how the playoffs picture shakes out this that's year, that's good baseball. That's yeah. going to be there. Even even if one or two of those teams don't make the cut, they're still going to end the year with quality seasons yeah. under their belt. So that that'll make for good baseball early on. But you're going to send Boston to play Arizona as a part of that road trip swing. That's I'm not taking anything away from Arizona, but an interleague matchup in the first month of the season, I it's no, weird. I don't agree with that. It's weird. All right, so to fill you in, we got um, normal opening days that the March 28th. So that's what we're talking about a week um, before. We got a week gap of March 20th in Japan and March 28th here um, for interleague series matchups. Um, the AL East. We'll be playing the NL West. So that's what Kyle's talking about with the Sox in, here in Arizona. Uh, AL Central will be playing the NL East. AL West will be playing the NL Central. So those are your interleague matchups. Um, yeah, I, I don't like the inter. I like interleague throughout the year. I like that. But I don't like it in the first month. Well, I, I think the matchups that you're referring to with the divisional matchups, I think that's... I mean, obviously, Red Sox, uh, Diamondbacks. That's that falls under that matchup. But I think it's also referring to the the summer interleague play because I do know that the Dodgers, which I'm really looking forward to, the Dodgers are going to be matching up with the Red yeah, Sox and Yankees this yeah, it's uh, going to be awesome next year. Which I'm I'm probably going to probably going to tune in for the Dodgers Yankees game just because it's Dodgers Yankees, and I think that'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, but rolling through. Rolling through the rest of these, we got um, Cardinal. Yeah, we mentioned Mexico Cardinals and Reds playing a series April thirteenth to fourteenth. Um, Astros and Angels will also play there uh, in what is it Monterey uh, May fourth through in the fifth. Um, this one I'm really looking forward to. I think I think they they uh, no pun intended hit it out of the park with this one. The Tigers and the Royals. <laughs> Uh, playing in Omaha in June, uh, I believe it's two days before the College World Series starts. Yeah, um, so it, cool. It's, it's kind of like their way to really bridge the gap between the NCAA uh, landscape and Major League Baseball. I'm really looking forward to that. I think their team selection was choice Weak. on this. No, I I disagree. I think I think they nailed it because it's it has that. I was thinking about this earlier. I think they they nailed it with kind of like the Midwest, kind of like I don't want to say like the Iowa feel or like the Field of Dreams feel, but okay. like I got where you're going. If you take two, if you're gonna put two teams in Omaha, like I think, I think Detroit coming from Michigan and obviously the Royals are like basically right there. I think I think granted the teams themselves probably aren't the best in terms of performance but i think if you're if you're looking to kind of uh kind of promote that that event up and down the midwest there cuz you know you know the east and west markets are going to tune in because 
that's where all the money's at. They're going to tune in ESPN regardless. But I think, I don't think the Midwest gets enough love um, in terms of kind of, like I said, with the MLB landscape, I just don't, I think, I think this will be big for them. I think it'll be big for uh, both college and major league baseball. I will have to tip my hat to Rob Manfred on this. I really don't agree with just about anything he does, but I think, uh, assuming he was the one that spearheaded this effort, I think, I think probably not. I, yeah, I, I'm probably giving him too much credit, but if he yeah. was, if he was, I, I do have to applaud him because I'm really looking forward to that. Um, moving on into the summer, uh, Pujols will return to St. Louis for the first time since being traded in 2012, which I don't know how it's taken this long. I didn't even realize that it, he hadn't been back. Uh, it's been it'll it's be a long time. it'll be what seven, seven. years? Yeah, that's. I I was kind of blown away when I found out about that. How do you, how do you think uh, he gets received? Oh, they'll love him. I mean, I'm, I yeah. know there was I know there was kind of that drama there that went down a little bit with the signing and everything. I mean, I don't remember the full extent of it, but I know it wasn't ideal. Um, I know he I know he turned down a big ass offer from them. Yeah, and but the thing is, is I think enough time has passed where people aren't really going to care. They're going to be like, he was going to leave at some point, so it's right. been seven years. Um, it is what it is. Uh, moving on, Red Sox and Yankees, as we already alluded to, going to be playing in London. Oh, yeah. Uh, June 29th and 30th. Again, uh, no idea what time of day that's going to be, yeah, but I, I will be awake. I don't probably, I probably don't even care. Probably, probably won't even tune in, not because I don't want to watch Red Sox Yankees, but because I would just want to boycott the fact that they're playing in London. And that's an absolute joke. And Major League Baseball should really reevaluate their decision making. Uh, I just, yeah, I get, because again, this is almost like an international, let's go where the money is, because like, there aren't any fans there, like, come on, there, there's basically just going to be soccer fans there, Yeah, yeah just and, because and, there's... And you can't give me, you can't argue the fact that, oh, we're going to try to establish fandom in London, no, that's not happening, like you said, no. that, that is strictly soccer, and it will stay soccer, and... That's no, like playing hockey in Mexico. No, no, no amount of no amount of money or uh, kind of effort made in that in that area will change that. Uh, I'm still tuning in. Uh, I might just to see how goofy it looks. Uh, moving on, All Star Game will be held in Cleveland. We already knew that. Um, Little League Classic will return for another year. Pirates and Cubs, August 18th. Um, as we mentioned. Also in the summer, Dodgers are going to be matching up with the Red Sox and the Yankees. I'm a fan. Classic old school matchups. Got to love it. Um, and here's the part that got me. I I had no idea. I feel like the worst baseball fan on earth. I did not know that the Texas Rangers, this was their last year in Globe Life Park. Or you didn't know, as I call it, the ballpark in Arlington. I will never call it Globe Life Park. I think no, that's, I, that's a joke. Honestly, me typing these notes in, I didn't even know it was called Globe Life. I always thought it was ballpark in Arlington. So I, I'm in the same boat with you. I legitimately had no clue because it was. It's only been what like 25 years, I think it said. Yeah. That that they've been playing there. Yeah, but, but here's the issue: is that I know that it's like blazing hot down there, and they're just like they're losing fans. Like, People aren't going to the ballpark because it's so damn hot. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense because they've got the retractable roof, which when I saw that, that's immediately where my thoughts went. As I, yeah. oh, it's probably like six thousand degrees. Did you for... check out the rest of the the rest of the the complex that they're doing? I have not. I'll have to go back and look. Dude, it's cool. Look at the concept pictures because they're doing. They're basically going to have a field, and then the retractable roof, like you said, um, and it's going to be. Pretty much in this whole complex that has like a shopping mall that's going to have a big hotel, and they're going to also have um, like a concert pavilion. Oh, dang, that is pretty sweet. Yeah, like in between the mall and the field, so you're like you're basically here enjoying more than just the game. And if that's there's a concert it's there, it's going to be dope. That's where it's headed. We what was it last week? We were talking about cores and kind of they've. They seem to have the business model down of bringing in more than just the baseball experience in, in order yeah. to in order to get people in the stadium. Um, but speaking of uh, the new Rangers Park, 
I was thinking that I probably need to get tickets for that because I would love to go. I, I've been down there to the Rangers Park um, ballpark in Arlington. I went down there. Funny enough, it was on the 4th of July, which, as they say, everything is bigger in Texas. And when I was there for that game, they – I mean, I just went up to D.C. for the 4th of July uh, just this past summer. But I have to say, I even – I would go out on a limb and say Texas outdid D.C. They just – like, the flags were huge. They had the flyover. They didn't even have a flyover in D.C. I'm not, I'm not sure why. There might have been issues. But the – Text, they just did it right on the 4th of July. Uh, but I'd love to go to the new park because based on what I'm seeing right now, it'd be sweet. And in order to do that, I would suggest using SeatGeek. I've got a question for my listeners. Do you need tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. The next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. That's all you got to do to save some of that cold, hard cash. Just enter promo code DTD at checkout. I just want to say uh, that's not fake. Like I actually have a friend who listens to our podcast and actually used SeatGeek and she saved 20 bucks. Like she just bought it yesterday or the day before. So it works. People use it. I love it. Yeah, that is a uh, that is a beautiful thing. So again, if you're a first time user, just punch that code in and you can save 20 bucks just like Nate's friend did and you'll be better off for it. Uh, moving on to the unpopular opinion, my favorite segment of the podcast. Uh, my unpopular opinion this week is related to the transactions we've been seeing since July 31st, uh, specifically referring to the Batista move um, that we just saw today was made official on Tuesday. And just, I don't know, my thoughts on this whole post trade deadline bonanza is just, I don't know. I'm very, very strongly opinionated on this whole thing. I think we just, it, it, I don't know. I, I have no other way of saying it other than if I were the commissioner, I would put a nix to this whole like waiver debt or like waiver moves and the, last minute wire deals and all this stuff. The the way I see it, July 31st at 4 p.m. needs to be the deadline and it should remain just that, a deadline. I don't understand why all these moves, I mean, I get the, the technicalities and the logistics of all the waiver moves and I get the fine print and all that stuff, but July 31st, 4 p.m. needs to be the point at which no moves can be made after that roster expansions of course because you need more guys rolling into the postseason i get that but to me it just takes and obviously i'll get your your take on it but to me it it's i don't know it just takes the fun out like i've seen people tweeting about it they're like so then what's the point of having a trade deadline i mean you we're we're here approaching literally the last couple days in August and you've got a guy hopping teams within the division and now he's on a contender and hypothetically if the Phillies were to go on and win the World Series you've got a guy on there who's contributed for just over like a month and a half I don't I'm not I'm not a big fan of it again I know there's there's logistics surrounding all of it and moves need to be made and there's 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 fine print in these guys' contracts. I get that. But to me, I just think the trade deadline needs to needs to be just that a deadline. Because again, it kind of in my opinion, it would it would amplify the significance of it that much more because you know after the thirty first, you're not getting anything else. You're gonna be you're gonna be dealing with the guys that you have on your roster at that point moving forward and the guys that you have in your farm system. And that's what you have to work with 
for the remainder of the season moving into the postseason. I don't know if you feel differently about it. I think it's total BS. I think it's super lame. I think um, it's like for this year, for us, we didn't really see any huge deals. We saw some good deals. We didn't see any huge deals at the trade deadline. And it was almost like we were hoping, ooh, like, please be a waiver deal that sneaks through. Like, be a waiver deal. It's so lame. Stop. Like, if, <laughs> if you don't like that deadline, make it August 10th or whatever. Give it an extra week, week and a half. But don't do the deadline and then sneaky deals. It's like getting a gift on Christmas and then you're expecting a gift on New Year's Eve too. No, it's done. You well, got your gift. It's over. <laughs> well, I did a little. I did a little research on it, and I'll keep it brief. Um, but I found out that the trade deadline, like way back in the day, used to be reinforced after June 15th. There wasn't any of this like July 31st stuff. It was June 15th, um, and even better, uh, for a number of those years, players could not be traded from one league to another without being waived by all of the teams in the trading teams league. So not only do you got to make your deals early, you got to get approval from a crap load of teams. And <laughs> to me, that's exciting. But I will say the one, as much as I hate all of these waiver options and all that stuff. The one, the one rule I, you almost have to agree with, is players acquired after August thirty first are ineligible for the postseason roster, unless I think they replace an injured player. Because I mean, yeah, that's fair. At I, like that, that. I mean, at that point, if you're sure, let's just pick him up like the weekend before the World Series and see if he can give us some pop. Like, <laughs> I mean. And, and, we'll, and we'll give them a ring too if we if we pull it off. Uh, no, we're we're done. That's that's my unpopular opinion, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, we got any DMs? Yeah, we only got one today. Um, keeping so it quick, keeping it quick. L underscore Burnson B E R N S E N twelve. Who's leading the NL MVP race? Who do you got? All right, so here's the thing. I've never been a believer in the fact that a guy, in order to win the MVP, needs to be helping his team's playoff chances by any stretch. I'm the believer that the word valuable should refer to what he is able to bring to the table as a player, as an individual. Team team excluded. I know that's probably... Uh, not the most popular opinion, um, but that's just how I feel about it. Because if you look at a guy, if that was the case, Mike Trout would never win an MVP. Because yeah, granted, he's got he's got the batting average. He's got he's got the whole five tool, uh, yeah. the the whole five tool aspect to him. He's got the WAR. I can't can't fail to mention that. Um, but if that was the case, he'd never win an MVP. But to some degree, you have to take into account that the guy could only do so much. As a, as a player, and so because of that, I don't know. I that doesn't really help me decide this question. I it, to me right now, it's between Freddie Freeman and Matt Carpenter. I think that's kind of across the board. I don't really include Arenado uh, at this point in the season because if you look at his splits away from uh, Coors Field, it's just it's not looking great. And I know that I'm I'm. I'm not one of those people that just shoots down any Rocky immediately just because they play in cores. Like I, I don't take that into account as much as some other people do. But even with that, it's it's just not it's not pretty. Like his stats in Colorado are are pretty good, but away it's just not great. Um, but Freeman, uh, right now at the moment, uh, when I check the stats, he's hitting three thirteen with twenty home runs, seventy eight RBIs. Uh, obviously Braves are in first place, three and a half games up over the Phillies. And then you got Carpenter batting 273, 34 home runs, uh, but 71 RBIs. But the thing I like about Carpenter is he's doing this simultaneously as the Cardinals. I won't even say simultaneously. He's obviously like the leading force behind this, but the Cardinals are applying pressure to the Cubs in the divisional race. And I mean, people are freaking out about the Red Sox Yankees race but the Cardinals and Cubs are closer in in terms of games back. I think it's what like four, four and a half. Um, I haven't checked tonight after the games were played tonight. 
but it's even closer than the Red Sox and Yankees, and I don't feel like we're hearing as much talk about it. I don't it's know. four games. Yeah, yeah four games. It, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know. I I think I might have to go with Freeman just because of the consistency. I mean, Carpenter's obviously – I mean, he's got 34 home runs. Not saying he hasn't been consistent, but you've been hearing a lot more about him lately just because of uh, the recent surge he's had. Um, but the 273 is uh, – it's a little shaky for me. Um, I just like the 313 with the uh, 78 RBIs, um, but that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I mm, I kind of wrote down two guys um, since you already touched on Freddie Freeman uh, and Matt Carpenter. I actually am going to go with my guys, Nolan Arenado. Um, I'm going to say this for everybody so we can get out of the way. He's top five and more. Um, obviously, the other two guys are too, but uh, he's top 10 in batting average and on base percentage. He's tied for third in RBIs with 91. He's second in the league with 31 bombs. Um, and he's a defensive stud. I mean, the dude is crazy at their base. Uh, I think it, it's hard because the fact that Matt Carpenter plays a lot of first base and Freddie Freeman obviously plays first base. So like, there's not a whole lot of leather you can flash over there, you know, like, yeah, Freddie Freeman's a gold glover, but is he like the first infielder you're going to think about? No, Nolan Arenado is in my mind, but my favorite stat for him is that uh he's only got 97 strikeouts this year that's that's impressive whereas matt carpenter is in the 120s or 130s i think yeah especially in this day and age with the way baseball is played now with the just crazy amounts of swing and miss that's uh that's uh pretty noteworthy so that's my vote all right i'm gonna wrap us up here real quick uh what we talked about in this episode uh, you might not think the cycle is exciting, but when Jackie Robinson does it, it is. If you question Terry Francona's apparel choices, he'll go on to win a World Series. Shout out 07 Sox. Uh, Kendris Morales certainly ate his Wheaties this past week. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees love to duke it out, but the Rays enjoy watching it from the front row. International baseball for the MLB is fine with us as long as it doesn't find its way into the land of football. And lastly, the trade deadline needs to actually mean something moving forward. That's what we talked about. Nate, I'll flip it over to you for what they're not talking about. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, Troy Tulowitzki thinks he's still going to be the starting shortstop for the Blue Jays next year in 2019. Um, He's currently out on the DL like usual. Uh, He had surgery on both of his heels. Um, Let me run down this list real quick. 2014, he had 91 games that he played in. 2015, he played in 87. 2016, he played in 131. You thought he was going to do that forever? No, because last year he only played in 66 games. Um, you, If you're this hurt, you can't name yourself the starter for next year. Sorry, yep. that's not the case. Um, maybe if you tear it up in spring training, but doubtful because you'll probably be hurt again. Uh, next one, Neil Walker tonight hit, hit, hit a walk-off home run for the Yankees. That is the 80th walk-off home run this year in Major League Baseball. That ties 2004 for being the most in a season. So obviously we got plenty of ball left. We're probably going to see a new record here within the next couple of days. Um, next one, Mike Schild, um, probably butchering his last name. It's hard to say. Schild, Schilt. Um, the uh, Cardinals manager is no longer their interim manager. He just signed an extension. Uh, the Cardinals are 26 and 12 under him, and obviously making a run like we talked about, kind of giving the Cubs a run for their money. Um, pretty impressive uh, for an interim, interim manager to be able to do that. Um, we touched on it earlier. David Wright still trying to play. He's 35, hasn't played since 2016. Um, he played uh, in single A ball for the last couple of weeks, starting in August 12th. The dude is six for 32 with two RBIs. Uh, what are the Mets doing? Uh, if this guy comes up for the 40 man in this weekend, I'm, I'm going to be livid because that's brutal, especially if you tell me about their stud first baseman who's got a million bombs and he's not coming up. It's annoying. Um, my last one, uh, and on a serious note, um, I'd like to take a second to acknowledge that uh, we lost a true hero this week, an American hero in John McCain. Um, no matter your political view, 
This man served our country, uh, survived as a prisoner of war, and went on to do some pretty meaningful things for our government and our country. Uh, I think it was pretty cool to see the Diamondbacks hang up his jersey with his name on the back in the dugout. Um, everyone, please remember the sacrifices that our military and their families make that allows us to you know, debate this beautiful game on our podcast uh, and doing it in our own free words. So uh, thank you, John McCain, and uh, you know, prayers out to you and your family. That's it for me, buddy. Nate, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. That was awesome. Um, but that's about all we've got here. Thank you all for tuning in this week. We'll catch back up with you guys next Wednesday. Uh, talk more baseball. Looking forward to it. Uh, but in the meantime, if you guys wouldn't mind subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen to it, I know I mentioned last week we're now on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Spotify. We're on all the other major platforms. So uh, wherever you listen to it right now, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, leave a review, leave a rating. It's greatly appreciated. Um, but again, looking forward to talking more baseball next week. But until next time, stay filthy. What the f- time you to take? You take! Don't tell me you don't see it! You Look! You understand? I put the team on my back. I do it all for the family. Everyone that they can rap. Nobody ever gon' challenge me. Starting my week on a Sunday. And then they can make it a one day. I just been ready to take off. Waiting my turn on the runway. Never be turning around. Never be turning around. Ayy. Never be slowing it down. Never be slowing it down. Ayy. I keep my foot on the gas. I keep my foot on the gas. Ayy. I know I'm never gon' crash. I know I'm never gon' crash. Ayy. Never be turning around. Never be turning around. Ayy. Never be slowing it down. Never be slowing it down. Ayy. See me fall off, know that I'm never gonna lose it. Got addicted to the chase now. People saying that I change now. Know that I'm never gonna stand still. I'm treating the game like a race now. They really been carefully watching me. They treated me like I was calories, but really they can't get enough of me. They treated me like I'm a salary. They're bringing me up in discussion. They wondering how do I do it so casually? I celebrate all of my victories. All of a sudden, they all gonna be mad at me. Damn, I don't have time for concern. I just go live and I learn. Trust me, I waited my turn. Living my dream of return. This is a given. People been listening over the world, I've been making that money while I be asleep I never rented the money, but now all the money been too busy running to me Ay, I put the team on my back, I do it all for the family Everyone think they can rap, nobody ever gon' challenge me Starting my week on a Sunday, they think they can make it in one day I just been ready to take off, waiting my turn on the runway Never be turning around, never be turning around, Hey, Never be slowing it down, never be slowing it down, Hey. Never gonna crash, I know I'm never gonna crash, ayy. Never be turning around, never be.